I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of the RHS Gardening Podcast. Every fortnight for the last two years, we've been bringing you a varied mixture of features and discussions, exploring every aspect of gardening. Plant care, pest control, garden design, growing your own fruit and vegetables and container ideas. Each of our 50 editions has been full of up-to-date, expert horticultural advice and information to help you in your garden. The podcast team has brought you tours of RHS gardens, reports from behind the scenes at the biggest RHS flower and plant shows, and interviews with some of the most influential names in gardening. I started in 1964 as an apprentice in the Parks Department in Ilkley in Yorkshire, and um, the RHS said, how about celebrating 50 years of Britain in Bloom, because Britain in Bloom has been going 50 years, and your 50 years in horticulture by doing a garden at Chelsea, not in the medal stakes as it were, but as an exhibit for the RHS. I thought, oh, I don't, I don't know, oh, I don't do that anymore. I did, the last one I did, I did get a gold medal, it was in 1985, that's 29 years ago, it's a long time ago. And I thought about it, because I'm not doing the broadcasting this year for the BBC, I thought, well, I quite fancy it really, it's rather exciting. So I got together with Kate Gould, who's a garden designer, and between us, with the help of Mark Gregory, who's Landform, the, the builders, as it were, the constructors and contractors, we came up with this idea. And I thought, well, what do I do to celebrate 50 years of, of me and of Britain in Bloom? And I thought, well, 1964, that the 60s, the early 60s, were not that exciting on a domestic scale in terms of garden design. I mean, sort of posh people having gardens done by the likes of Russell Page and Lanning Roper, but that didn't sort of reach the, the man in the street, as it were. Um, and they were a bit dull, and it was lawns and rose beds and rockeries. And I thought, well, if I do rockeries and rose beds right to the present day and have a garden that's kind of two bits, one 60s and one 2014, it's not really going to work. So I thought, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? And I thought, well, hang on. I started my life in Yorkshire. I'm a Yorkshire, and I lived there until I was 20. And then I came down to college and to Kew uh, to learn my trades, my craft. Uh, and finally, now, uh, I live in Hampshire, but I also have uh, a little house and garden on the Isle of Wight on the coast. So these ideas started to gel, and I thought, what about from the moors to the sea? So my journey, as it were, I mean, sound like an X Factor contestant, from Ilkley Moor right down to the coast of the Isle of Wight. Um, can I do a garden which is divided into the back is moorland with pines and birches and heather and some dry stone walling coming through to a little bit of beach with some waves lapping and a, and a summer house, a, a, you know, a beach hut. And I thought, oh, that's a bit more exciting. So I worked with Kate and we, we sat down and 
put this thing together. So here it is from the moors to the sea. It's very, very exciting. The unmistakable voice of Alan Titchmarsh. I'm Sean Thomas, Garden Visits Editor of The Garden, the RHS monthly magazine for members. Coming up in this episode, a selection of highlights from our first 50 podcasts, a chance for listeners to win tickets to the RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show, expert seasonal advice, including how to prepare your garden for extreme winter weather conditions, and, as always, the latest news on RHS garden events across the UK. But first, one feature of our podcast which is very popular with listeners is our regular section in which the experts at RHS Garden Wisley and Surrey discuss the seasonal tasks they are tackling that month. My name is Matthew Pottage, Garden Manager at Wisley. So one of the jobs we're busy with at Wisley at the moment is the winter prune for wisteria. It's a question everybody asks us, and wisteria almost seems to be something people are frightened of pruning and pruning incorrect. And it is something you need to get right for the best flowers. And what we're doing this time of year is going into the plant, we're looking at all the long extension growth. So they're all the big, long, whippy shoots that the plants produce throughout the summer months. And we're tracing those back to their point of origin to two to three buds. And we're actually going to prune back all this long stem back to those buds. And it's repeatedly doing this that forms what we call the flowering spurs. So they're these small, almost knuckle-like stems. And that's where your flower buds are going to form. And that's what is going to give you the display in the springtime. One of the things to look out for when you come to Wisley in May time, like mid-May, late May, our wisterias are not just growing on walls as you would normally expect, but we've got freestanding wisterias that are trained almost like a shrub. We've also got wisterias that are growing up posts, like a big pillar of wisteria. So you can see if you don't have a wall or a big fence, there are other ways to use wisteria in the garden. Matthew Pottage, in an excerpt from our very first RHS Gardening podcast, he is now the Deputy Curator of RHS Garden Wisley. I've loved doing these podcasts. This has been really good fun for us. And I think some of the highlights with these are we do them very frequently. So we can say, really, you know, here and now, this is looking good. Come and see this. You can always plan. You can always organise a calendar of when things are supposed to be marketed, when they should flower. But, you know, plants don't follow the calendar. And sometimes you have a really great year. Sometimes something doesn't perform half as good as you expect. And gardeners will, you know, be just as familiar with that as we are at Weasley. So these podcasts are a really nice way of saying, come and see this, this has really worked, we're doing this now. And hopefully of great interest to everybody at home because, you know, we're always learning too. We're always up against new pests and diseases. Things die, things don't always work for us. And it's really nice to have a space to, to be able to share that. And obviously doing these out in the garden, you have everything else that contributes to the conversation. So if it's a pheasant, a duck, there's normally a robin sat watching us. There's normally someone having a good old time, having a good scream and a run around behind us. Kids running down grassy banks of Battleston Hill. Uh, But it's always good fun. I mean, they're out in the garden and we normally have people hanging around thinking, what are they doing? What are they up to? And absolutely encourage if people want to hear something specific, they want something different or they think there could be another way of doing something, you know, get in touch with us because we want to keep it fresh and interesting too. It was really nice to actually receive some good feedback in the, it's probably the early days of the podcast, maybe one of the first or second uh, pieces we did about wisteria pruning. And being able to live, you know, talk through stages of doing a practical task. So in that case, it was wisterias. 
And you obviously try and break it down. If you're doing it with a microphone in front of you, you talk through everything that way. Uh, and the lady came to me and said how much she enjoyed it and how useful it was to her. And I always forget, I've got a couple of friends who are always listening in. And they, you know, they occasionally say, we like this, we saw this, we heard this. Uh, my friend Sarah, who hopefully is listening to this as she's beavering away in her garden, always says, this was good, or you could have said this, or you could have added that. And, and that's really good. It keeps it really real. It keeps it really human and you know approachable, which is what we want. So let's find out from RHS experts what you can be doing in your garden right now. Um, I'm Guy Barter. I'm Chief Horticultural Advisor. In winter, you can get these really gusty gales and the gusts can be really damaging to things like netting and insect-proof mesh. So it's well to go out and weight everything down with logs or pots of soil so it doesn't all blow away and end up in your neighbour's garden. Valuable cloches and frames are particularly liable to be picked up and fly through the air and become smashed when they land. So anchor them down, put ropes across with some heavy bags of soil to hold them down if you live in a windy garden. Of course, your fences should keep this off, but um, fences... Uh, often work loose in wind and rain and if this happens in your garden consider making an interference fence where you have planks of wood that slightly overlap on different sides of the beam so it filters the wind rather than causes eddies and gusts. I'm Lee Hunt, I'm the Principal Horticulture Advisor here at RHS Garden Wisley. Windy conditions can be very damaging for pots outside and I'm thinking things like terracotta pots here which can be quickly taken off their bottoms and smashed. So the thing to do is if you've got weather forecasts where it's going to be windy and gusty, bring them into a sheltered corner and also water them. Often through the winter, the compost gets quite dry and quite light. So add some weight, add some water, and that should help keep them uh, nice and secure. Um, and hopefully you won't have any breakages. My name's Rob Sterling, and I'm one of the horticultural advisors here at RHS Garden Wisley. Something else to consider if you grow fruit um, in windy weather, particularly cherries, plums, um, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> if branches get broken on those, and um, uh, they will sometimes do, do um, apart from the breakage, which can cause significant damage in itself, uh, plums and cherries are also extremely prone to a disease called silver leaf, which actually gets in through wounds. So um, always um, be prepared to, to tidy up those the cut branches, the cut wounds, and use a sealing paint on it, on the ends of them. We wouldn't normally recommend using sealing paints on trees as a rule uh, because there is a risk um, of sealing in diseases underneath them but because the risk is so high of prunus, uh, prunus uh, species such as plums and cherries etc getting this silver leaf disease then we would recommend that to prevent it from uh, from being able to enter the trees. In northern areas and on high ground uh, snow, of course, falls in, in winter and can do quite a lot of damage if you don't take precautions to start with. Often netting over vegetable gardens and fruit gardens can collapse under the weight of snow, so it's as well to furl or wetting or netting for the winter, put it back uh, to exclude birds and pests in the summer. And then also frost can break the boughs of evergreen trees, so if there is a heavy snowfall in your garden and area, uh, go out with a long stick and shake the snow off the, the boughs to prevent breakages. In severe snows, uh, roof structures can actually collapse. And if there is a severe snow, check your sheds and greenhouses and with a long post or pole, try and get some of the, the weight of snow off to prevent any collapses and uh, damage. 
There's more information about all aspects of plants and gardening techniques on the advice pages of the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk slash advice. I'm Sean Thomas and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. I'm Jenny Bowden and I'm one of the horticultural advisors here at uh, the gardens at Wisley and the podcasts are a fantastic way of um, being able to pass on information. We get asked questions by RHS members and then we're, we're able to pass on our answers to a very very much wider audience and uh, that's a lot of fun and we we enjoy communicating to people about plants in an easy to digest way and uh, it can be so different from reading it on a website. One of the things I remember is really the vivid descriptions we get from some of the flower shows. You won't probably believe it, but even myself, I don't get to all the shows. So to be able to hear, you know, what's going on in London this time is really interesting. It can be that the people have been on the advice desk and they've been asking their questions, but also what the exhibitors are up to as well, their seasonal interest, the plants that they've brought has been really exciting at times. And great to catch up when you just can't make it. It's particularly nice to record some of the Q&As at the flower shows too, because uh, obviously we are normally stuck in a room, but to have real people asking real questions just gives it that sense of uh, uh, excitement as well, because you're literally hearing the problems that they have in their garden and how they're responding to that as well. And the follow on questions, because if you know what it's like, you don't have one question, you often have many about the same thing. So it gives a much fuller picture. I'm sure it makes people more aware as well that the advice team are there and they can approach us and we are friendly so they can come and see us at the flower show. The good news is maybe it worked already because we had almost 40% more inquiries at last year's shows. So perhaps we've been seeing you all already. But if you haven't been, come up and speak to us. I'm Carol Laker from Orpington. I have a question for you, please. We've recently had a grandson and we'd like a plant with the name Ben in. He's called Ben, so if you can find me one, that would be lovely, because then we can take it along, it can be planted, and something that will last, I hope. That's great. We we get asked this very often, and it would be something that normally would be very difficult to actually do, trying to trace a a plant with a particular name. But but fortunately, the the RHS has online its plant finder on the RHS website, www.rhs.org.uk you go to plants along the top menu line click on plant then you have a box and it's very simple if we do it here we just tap in the name ben and we find that there's 29 different plants that has have been somewhere in the the name some of those won't be very suitable but just looking for example we start off with agapanthus and the one we've got here is ben hope But if we scroll down further, we find something that might be a bit more suitable to, say, commemorate someone or to to mark uh, the birth of a grandchild. And that's Malus domestica, which is an apple, an eaten apple. And in this case, it's one called Ben's Red. So that's a plant you could source. Again, if we look at the plant finder here, we're told there's five suppliers and it's something that you could perhaps order for the autumn plant in the uh, early winter and that's a tree which will perhaps have a lifespan of 80 90 100 years ahead of it and each year hopefully will produce a splendid crop of ben's red apples thank you that's lovely the rhs garden advice team 
RHS members can get advice on any gardening problem for free via phone, email and in person at RHS shows and RHS gardens. To find out details of how to become a member, go to the RHS website and click join. One loyal RHS member is cookery legend Mary Berry. Well, I'm very excited to be asked to be uh, an ambassador of the RHS. Um, I've been visiting this garden uh, for 30 years. I've been a member um, of the RHS, which um, I think is enormous value. It means you can come into the garden at any time, two of you, and if you have any problems, uh, like naming a rose or... Uh, you get blight or something, you can bring that particular item uh, and you'll, they'll give you the answer on how to put it right. I want everybody to know that the RHS is a charity and it does great uh, work with schools. One third of the schools in Britain have gardening as part of their children's education and, and many of them have parts of the school as garden. I think that uh, we should all know where our food comes from and what better than growing it yourself. And I will say, grow the things that you enjoy, um, whether it's herbs or vegetables or even flowers, but grow the things that you like best and that aren't too difficult to grow. Um, I've come to Wisley at all different times and as it's so big, I think it's 200 acres, there never seems as though there's a crowd there. Um, I head for the big long border. It is magnificent and uh, I usually try to go at different times of year and I've always got a notebook and pencil because it gives you an idea what to grow in your own garden the heights of the plants and uh, you can choose the actual variety and the joy is on the way out if you go to the plant center you should be able to buy that plant too which is good um, that's I think my favorite part I love the meadow I love the water um, I love the woodland section. I always like to come in the growing season from from spring. It is lovely to walk through the woodland part. And, uh, you know, first of all, you see the primroses and then you see the spring cyclamen and, um, and then it's the bluebells. You know, it, it is very exciting. There's always something going on here. My name is Mario De Pace. I am the gardener that looks after the vegetable garden here at RHS Wisley. There are many, many ways to prepare courgettes and I tend to use them in typical Italian preparation like caponata uh, or I do marinated courgettes. So you just slice them, fry them until they are golden and then dress them with vinegar, olive oil, garlic, parsley, chili, and that's it. And that is as simple as that, but it's the most gorgeous dish that you can have uh, with your antipasto. <laughs> Some years ago, what happens, especially if it's um, very warm summer, the plant tends to produce more male flowers than female, and the female flower is the one that actually bear the fruit so the male flower is only there for pollination uh, and if it's a hot summer and it produces a lot of male flower some of the male flower can be used 
to be like stuffed with mozzarella and anchovies and deep fried or can be used to make a, a nice sauce for your spaghetti just uh, stir fry them with a bit of anchovies and chili and garlic and then dress the spaghetti Excerpts from the RHS podcast archive featuring baking legend and RHS Grow Your Own ambassador Mary Berry and Mario Depache from The Kitchen Garden at RHS Wisley. All of our RHS podcasts are available to listen to again in our iTunes podcast archive. Go to the website rhs.org.uk slash podcast and search by date or subjects featured. Or subscribe to our regular free fortnightly gardening podcasts via iTunes. We'd love to know what have been your favourite moments of the first 50 RHS gardening podcasts. So answer one simple question and tell us what you have particularly enjoyed or found useful and you'll be in with a chance to win a pair of tickets to this summer's RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show worth up to £70. To enter, visit rhs.org.uk slash podcast Hampton Comp and fill in the form. Entries close at midnight on the 1st of March 2015. We're looking forward to hearing your pick of the podcasts. Now, if you're a regular listener, you'll already know that members of the RHS advisory team join us each month to answer your gardening questions. So let's hear some of the questions they've received this month. Bella Mangan has um, contacted us by email and uh, she wants to uh, she wants to help her sister-in-law out. Her sister-in-law is a passionate cook who loves Asian food and uh, she finds interesting mushrooms are hard to come by in the supermarkets and... Uh, she was wondering if there's any way she could grow them in her own home, and if so, where can some be sourced as a present? Um, well, some of the more interesting Asian mushrooms um, actually grow on wood, and um, you can actually purchase logs which have been impregnated with the mushroom spores, um, and um, certainly uh, the oyster mushrooms and the shiitake mushrooms um, are available in this form. Um, and they um, basically are left in the garden um, and the mycelium of the fungus will grow through the wood feed on the wood and then um, will produce the crops of mushrooms and and uh, oyster mushrooms and so on from the outside on the outside of the log and the good thing about it is that these um, these logs actually will, will continue to produce mushrooms for several years won't just um, um, produce it from one year and then you have to you know start afresh and um, there's a company called Ragman's and they produce the shiitake and oyster mushrooms. I would add that it's not always going to produce huge amounts of mushrooms. It's a really good thing to try and it's a load of fun as well to see what you can get out of the, the log or the kit to see how the, um, the mushrooms grow. But um, she might need to seek out a really good supplier as well to get a regular supply of interesting Asian mushrooms. Sometimes these um, these fungal kits work and sometimes they don't, but um, they've been around for some years, so they've got a, a reasonable chance of success. The ones I particularly like are the ones where you um, you grow the mushrooms on an old toilet roll, um, which I think is particularly fascinating. So uh, you merely buy some inoculum and um, some toilet rolls and off you go. So I uh, hope your sister has good luck. OK, the next, uh, the next question is from Michael Holsworth um, from Bolsover. And um, he says, I'd like to buy my father and uh, father a book um, for his library. What are the gardening classics, old or new, that every garden lover should have in their collection? And are there any good works of fiction involving gardening that you could suggest? 
one feels that quite a lot of gardening books are works of fiction um, but I can thoroughly uh, recommend all the RHS books as being um, as being accurate. I feel very strongly about this, and I think books are a personal thing. So I would suggest that um, you give your father a, a token and uh, point him in the direction of the RHS website, uh, where we have an excellent online bookshop of all sorts of interesting books. Yeah, I think that's a very good idea. I've picked a few books, though, just in case that um, you really are scratching your head or do want that something to give on the um, the day so um, books of fiction I was really struggling with this I have to say I, there is a really nice book which is fun and easy to read which is actually a true life story but it could easily be a work of fiction it's called Notes from an Italian Garden and it's by Joe Marble and that one really talks about an American couple setting up in Italy and the interesting tales of creating a garden, which including planting trees with dynamite sticks. So there's a certain amount of fiction that you feel involved in that, although um, it probably is true. For a good, um, interesting and new work, then the recently updated Hillier's Manuals of Trees and Shrubs is excellent. And that's something that our botany team have been working very hard over the last couple of years and now is out there. And of course, if you've got children, then something like The Secret Garden. It is a, a child's book, but is sort of a gothic fantasy as well um, by Francis Hodgson Burnett as well. It would be a good choice. I had a couple of selections, um, one called The English Gardener from Blue, Bloomsbury Gardening Classics by William Cobbett. Um, this was first published in 1829. So if your father was interested in, in um, the types of gardening styles that were practised um, and techniques that were practised in those times, um, it's a good read because it covers all the methods of growing vegetables, fruit and flowers. Um, but I suppose my main favourites are, are those produced by Christopher Lloyd um, and um, certainly The Well-Tempered Garden is is a brilliant book. Um, if your father hasn't got it, um, I'm sure he would enjoy it. Christopher Lloyd's um, wit um, and gardening knowledge comes through. Um, so it's not a, a dry read. It's, um, it's actually very funny in places, but also extremely informative. And don't forget as well that you can always come along to one of the RHS libraries to look for inspiration. If you pop into something like one of the garden libraries, all the books are there. So you can have a look and see what your um, father might like as well. Polly Timpson emails it to say, I'm interested to know about the salads to grow over winter. What are the best to try? Would they need to be in pots as I live in a flat? All right. What do we think on this one? Yeah, you can certainly grow salads over winter on your windowsill. And the ones that, um, that people grow and find great use for are pea shoots. Here you just sow pea seeds and up come the shoots. You gather the shoots and you use them um, in salads or stir fries and garnishes for sandwiches and things like that if you want. Then, of course, you're probably familiar with mustard and cress. Um, there's lots of other seeds that are sold now uh, for these microgreens, so as well as mustard and cress sown on a something like some kitchen towel that's suitably wetted, and then you harvest the little seedlings. Um, there's a, a range of other herbs and vegetables, uh, for kales, for example, particularly um, popular nowadays. And these can be, these will grow in a few days or a couple of weeks, depending on the temperature of the room. And uh, you can just cut them again uh, for garnishes, for sandwiches, making salads and to supplement bought in things. And of course, there's always sprouted seeds. Um, seed sprouting is not exactly horticulture, but then it's 
not that dissimilar either so you can certainly do that the reason i mention sprouting seeds is because like the um the microgreen seeds um you have to be really careful about hygiene um there have been unfortunate instances where the seeds sold for sprouting and microgreens have not been as free from uh, pathogens as they should have been so always buy seeds sold for the purpose and always wash your microgreens carefully before consuming them With spring fast approaching, there are plenty of activities and attractions for visitors to the four RHS gardens. Here's some of the events coming up. Come to the four RHS gardens for half-term fun with activities for all the family. From 14th to the 22nd of February, all our gardens will be putting on craft workshops and more. Don't miss out. Be sure to join RHS Garden Hyde Hall for a guided woodland walk on the 10th, 17th and 24th of February at 11am. Enjoy a winter's walk and if you wish, refuel with soup and a roll for just £4. Come to RHS Garden Wisley 28th of February, 10am to 1pm for a talk and demonstration on getting the most out of your greenhouse. Perhaps you've recently acquired one or plan to start growing choice plants in an existing one. Whatever the circumstance, RHS Garden Wisley's Glasshouse Specialist, Nick Morgan, will set you on the right track in setting up, choosing and looking after plants and crops. And as always, full details of all these events and more are on the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk slash gardens what's on. And remember to buy RHS Show's gift vouchers for 2015, a great present for a loved one to enjoy world-class gardens by big-name designers, as well as see great exhibits from UK and international nurseries. Go to rhs.org.uk slash show's gift voucher. And finally, here's Colin Crosby, curator of RHS Garden Wisley, on his highlights of the garden in spring. Wisley Garden was started in 1903 as an educational garden to inspire and educate everyone who came through its front door, so that's all the visitors, but also to have the School of Horticulture so we could be training gardeners of the future as well. It's a garden of 240 acres. We have 70 gardeners, and I include myself as a gardener. We've got a school of horticulture where we've got 24 trainees that we're teaching them the practical skills to be the next generation of gardeners coming through. But also at Wisley, behind the scenes in the laboratory, we've got a science department where we're doing a lot of research into the pests and diseases which are affecting gardeners are at home, and that's hidden from scene. We also have plant trialling and the RHS is the world's largest independent plant trialling organisation and so on the Portsmouth field you can come and see perennials, bedding plants you can see fruit, vegetables, trees and shrubs being trialled for that coveted award of garden merit and that happens behind the scenes March and April are a wonderful time of year in the garden you've got such a riot of colour you've got the theatrical displays from the camellias, the rhododendron and magnolias you've got masses of daffodils and tulips which will be flowering in the garden and then you've got the choice perennials early season ones which are coming through the ground and then of course the blossoms from the cherry trees there is so much colour and it really is one of the highlights of the gardening year just to walk through any garden and especially RHS Garden Wisley during the springtime visiting the garden in March and April time there are two parts of the garden or really three parts of the garden you must visit Battleson Hill which is the theatrical display of the rhododendrons, camellias the traditional woodland garden and then head over to the rock garden 
where you'll see the most beautiful and delicate alpines and bulbs which are growing there and also in the Alpine Display House and then down to the oldest part of Wisley Garden which is the Wild Garden and throughout the Wild Garden you'll see naturalistic drifts of bulbs you'll see more flowering, spring flowering trees and shrubs and a whole host of choice uh, herbaceous perennials that will be coming up in the early season. So that's all for this 50th episode. We do hope you'll join us for the next 50. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Sean Thomas, and all the RHS Gardening Podcast team, goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced-rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.